Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to the Manchester's Red Extra podcast with me, Seb Parkinson, and I am today going to be joined by my esteemed colleague, Sam Hutchison. But before Sam joins me, we are going to hear from the manager, Eric Ten Hag. Now, for those of you that were living under a rock, Manchester United have come to a 1-0 defeat to Brighton on Thursday night. In fact, most of the Brighton fans had left the stadium at this point. The, the stadium went from being very busy to rather empty or two-thirds full by uh, by the time that the penalty was actually conceded. Now, for those that didn't know or didn't watch the game or have missed it, Luke Shaw committed a foul, which he claims wasn't a foul, and on the replay didn't look like a foul to me either. That resulted in a free kick, which then resulted in a corner, and from the corner, Luke Shaw cleared the ball away, but it appeared that he cleared it. In fact, it didn't appear. He did clear the ball away with his arm, and in the 99th minute, Brighton got a penalty, now, you know, United were all set for a nil-nil draw and it looked like United were going to be travelling home with a point, which is you know not a bad result given how Brighton, how well Brighton have been doing and, and all the rest of it. But United have walked away empty-handed from the Amex Stadium, which means that still automatic qualification for the Champions League next season is not attained despite United's incredible run. But United have got a fair few home games to come. And United's home form, I think United haven't lost in 26 at home. So it's likely that United are going to qualify. But at the moment, if Liverpool win on Saturday, that means that United are only one point ahead of them, albeit with games in hand. But still, if those games in hand don't count for anything, if United don't win them. So without further ado, here is Eric Ten Hag with his pre-match West Ham press conference. We have every time in the season when we had a defeat, and we bounce back. So I count on my players, I count on my team. We have to to do it again. And so there's no time to to stay in this. So in one hour we go to the game for West Ham United, and all focus on that. And we prepare them. We make a good plan. They have the players have to take responsibility. Uh, and they will do. I count on them. Uh, they have to to do it, and they can do it, because we have the evidence in the season every time uh, um, when we had disappointments, they bounce back. Do you think you have the same squad, or is there any chance of any players coming back and being available for No, I think it will be the same squad, and uh, maybe one player, 
cannot show. I have to see. Maybe he can be involved, but uh, we have to see how the progress will go. Over there. I think I just explained we had a quite good run so far with from the last five, four wins and a draw. Um, we have everything in our hand. Um, so we have to focus on our performance. And um, yeah, I trust my players. Um, so I'm quite convinced about that, yeah. Carl. Which Anthony? Uh, huh? So, and what do you mean exactly? He's a very passionate man. Yes. Uh, how do you keep him focused? Yeah, but I think his, um, his passion is his strength. And of course, um, until certain level, you have to, to control it. Uh, but uh, you, uh, you need passion uh, to, uh, and desire. Uh, to to win your your games and to win battles in the game and I think he um, yeah, this tool is very strong with him he's very ambitious so yeah um, but as I say don't go over the top huh? um, stay focused on your game and what your team and what the game needs and uh, if he's doing that he is a great player. Uh, yes, I think his performance, um, his improvement is, is quite obvious and clear. Uh, last question in this section, Sky. Um, West Ham have conceded nine in three and clearly having defensive issues at the moment up against David Moyes, a very experienced Premier League manager. Almost two parts of the question. Can you exploit them defensively because of their frailty? And what's it like coming up against someone who's so experienced in the Premier League who can change things because he's got that knowledge? Yeah. It's, um, uh, as you say, an experience. He's a fantastic manager. Uh, he, um, so long already in the Premier League and uh, I'm looking forward. Uh, we faced him this season twice uh, because also we faced him in the, in, in the FA Cup. Um, yeah, it's going to be another great game and every game is a battle. Every game is a challenge. So we have to get ready for that game. Okay, one last one then. Can you just, I mean, it's an obvious question, but how important is it to be a club in stature and running like this to be in the Champions League, to have played Champions League football next season? It's vital to progress. Yeah, Manchester United, they, of course, they, we need to be there in the Champions League and we want to be there because we want to challenge with the best teams in the world. So we do everything what's in our power to get that done. I think it's always vital <laughs> that um, we have to be in the Champions League and it's a battle because in the Premier League many teams, clubs are competing for it and they have the power uh, to, uh, to 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 uh, 
uh, to fight for that as well. Uh, but uh, we want to be there and we do everything to get there. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, we have to keep our heads clear, but also yeah, uh, I demand passion and desire from my players because if you want to win games, hey, you, you need that. And I think it brought us there where we are now. And you spoke last week about having a difficult, that Thursday last week at Tottenham, about having a difficult schedule. You know, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. David Moyes has spoken about how that has been difficult in Europe. Do you think it's had any impact on the last couple of weeks, actually? It has already an impact on the whole season. And we are doing quite well in the shadow. <laughs> we, we're doing not quite well, we're doing really well. And we have a big disadvantage uh, against others. West Ham United, I think, is a team who has the worst shadow, but then we. Uh, but we showed all season already uh, we can deal with that. And uh, we are, and physical and mental, very strong. That's a great advantage playing in the Champions League. You have a better week. You're up against David Moyes, which I know you've been asked about just then. He was the man who succeeded Sir Alex, which is possibly the most difficult thing to do in football, following the you know most successful manager ever. Is that something you understand, sort of understand even more now, having been in the job at Manchester United? And are you glad that you were fifth in line as opposed to straight after Sir Alex? <laughs> yeah, it's about as hypothetical. Uh, um, he, he put, uh, it's uh, so you you never know, but it's quite clear when you have to succeed, Sir Alex. There's a big challenge, and uh, that is a really difficult job to do. Uh, so uh, yeah, he did it. He was yet to bravery to do it, and so that's why I think. Um, yeah, I admire him that much. Uh, he's also that long already with many clubs in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, it's a great manager with a lot of skills. Um, and I know I, my team, has to be their best on Sunday. And we have to play our maximum. If we want to get the result uh, we need, and that's a win. 
Uh, last question, Rich. Yeah, but it is what what I tell them. What I, I'm telling them, every for every game and for every training, eh, you have to be ready for every game in the Premier League. Um, if you want to be in three competition, four competitions, um, yeah, you have to be so good prepared. Uh, you need so much energy. You need a good game plan, and you have to go every game again. And you can't do it. In 99%, you have to do it 100%, and you have to to do it over the fully 95 minutes, and yeah, that's why we like it. Huh? Uh, top players like it to have huge challenges, uh, but yeah, it costs energy, and but that's our job, that's our responsibility. We have to take it, and no, we say we lay this aside. Sunday, uh, we go again, and I'm sure we will be there. Thank you very much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Well, quite a, a somber press conference there from Eric Ten Hag. Obviously, he he recorded that late last night after the Brighton game, deflated, having to do a post-match press conference from the United game, which you can hear now if you listen to Sam's post-match podcast from last night. We've also got the full Manchester's Red podcast with all the usual suspects, which you can listen to right now. But before we go any further, my colleague Sam Hutchison is back again. Thank you for joining me, Sam. Uh, what did you make of Eric's presser? Look, he, you know, again, a bit somber, bit of a deflated mood last night. He had to turn it around to, to, to do the pre-match press conference, which mentally must be quite, quite difficult to do when you, you still ruin the fact that, you know, we could have been 4-0 up at half time and you end up walking away with a 1-0 defeat. What, what was he like in the press conference? Well, yeah, these embargoed press conferences after a Thursday night game, before a, and then before a weekend game, they just all the questions just blend into one. They end up all being mixed up. Um, every every journalist in there knows they're going in and asking a range of questions. They've got to ask questions about the game that's just happened. They've got to ask questions about the game coming up. So all the game, all the questions get mashed up together, and you end up getting. Questions about the defeat to Brighton as the last question of the press conference. And the first question of the press conference is, are you looking forward to playing West Ham? But, I mean, I make what I make of Eric Ten Hag was, he was just disappointed. 
in the way Manchester United lost that game. He thought Man United should have been up at half-time by at least a couple of goals. He thought he was unfortunate given the referee's decisions throughout the game to sort of hand Brighton that last-minute penalty. And you were mentioning in the introduction that it was a late goal and half the stadium was empty by the time they scored the goal. It was actually Brighton's latest ever goal in the Premier League at 98 minutes and 16 seconds. And it's also the latest goal Manchester United have ever conceded in the Premier League. So it just shows how sort of deep into that injury time it went and how close Manchester United were to that point which would have made all the difference. A point away at Brighton is a good result all things considered, given Brighton's form this season. But a loss is a loss. It doesn't matter how many you lose it by. It's still a loss. It doesn't matter the matter of which you lose it by. It's still a loss. So, Eric Ten Hag's press conference, he was really just disappointed in the way Manchester United lost it and sort of thrown it away. Yeah, and uh, it's it's funny you should say that because I think you mentioned it in your post-match pod last night that it was inevitable that Brighton were going to win that game on a late penalty, given the fact that a couple of years ago, Man United did exactly the same to them after the final whistle. Bruno Fernandes scored that penalty to get, was it 3-2? I think the game ended yeah, in the 3-2. After, like, what an incredible, bizarre, like, event that happened. And it, yeah, it's sort of, and especially that, I think leading up to the penalty as well, the guy that missed the penalty in the cup, the cup semi-final was appearing to be the guy that was going to take the penalty. Was it the captain? Solly March, yeah. Solid, yeah, and he was like, it was like, is he going to take it? Is he going to get redemption for the for the penalty miss? But then McAllister took it, and I tell you what, fair play, it was an incredible. Penalty. It was a great penalty. So yeah, yeah. If you're going to concede a penalty, and, and I noticed that David de Gea yet again went the wrong way. I don't think that guy is ever going to save a penalty again in his career, and I, I, I think he just goes the wrong way, and it's like it's almost like he goes out of his way to go the wrong way on every single penalty. I just want to touch on Martial and uh, Luke Shaw. So. Late last night, uh, when Luke Shaw did his post-match interview with Sky, there's a video about this on the Manchester Evening News social medias, on our YouTube, on our Twitter, Facebook. It's a really good watch, and you know, and and people criticise footballers for not saying what they think and for being too reserved. And yeah, the next game and all the rest of it. Actually, Luke Shaw came out and said exactly what he needed to say. He said that the strikers weren't clinical enough. He took the blame for for the handball incident but in a sense what he was sort of getting at is if you'd have done your job up the other end you know Bruno, Martial, Rashford you had chances to score and they just didn't they just can't score they just like yes we scored two against Spurs but we should have scored five against Spurs in the first start of half an hour or so and he's right that your strikers aren't clinical enough. You've got Valt Vegas coming off the bench. Who, we might as well have 10 men with him on the pitch. We might as well have 10 men with Martial on the pitch because they're just anonymous, absolute, like... I think somebody said to me today that Martial came off and didn't even need to have a shower because he just <laughs> did not break into a sweat <laughs> at all because he's just completely and utterly anonymous. And, and Ten Hag sort of doesn't doesn't lay into his players in press conference sometimes you think you know you need to but I really hope in the dressing room he does and I really hope in the summer some of these players that he's got that he's now had a year to sort of learn understand and 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 blend with that he can go right you off you go you off you go you off you go it all depends on what money he's got from from the the owners to spend in the summer and it obviously all depends on what's happening with his takeover and contracts and everything like it's obviously a lot of it's beyond the control of just saying off your pop 
But um, you know, if some of these players are with us next season, we're, we're in we're in trouble. And the progression that he's made this season that Ten Hag has brought in, it, it sort of gets let. It's starting to be sort of let down by the end of the season because of just the performances have just dipped. And I understand it in a way. United have played over fifty five games at this point in the season. There's still a few more left to play. The players are probably exhausted. You know, and and the hype around winning the League Cup sort of gave us that extra bit of momentum to carry on. You know, we've got into the FA Cup final, so it's not been a bad season. If you'd have told me at the start of the season, top four finish, League Cup winners, FA Cup finalists, I'd have been like, I'd have snapped your hand off, you know what I mean? So, really, really impressive season, but the players just seem, they just seem to be on the on the down and... and Rashford's just been a bit out of form since that injury he picked up. He's just not been as clinical as he has been. But then again, what has he got? Is he is he is he coming up to thirty goals if there are thereabouts for the season in all comps? I mean, it's not a bad return. And again, at the beginning of the season, I'd have snapped your hand off if you'd have offered it me. But now you're living it. It's a lot different than when you actually live in the moment, and it feels as if like there's something. There's something not right in the camp, and especially what Luke Shaw was saying in that post-match interview, it feels like there's something not quite right in the camp and that there's a bit of aggro between certain certain areas of the team, whether it's the defence criticising the attack or the attack criticising the defence. Um, you know, I, I think you gave Luke Shaw a five in your ratings last night, which I, I understand why you did. I felt it was very harsh because I thought he was excellent last night, especially given how good uh, Brighton have been. But you, you explained that you would have given him a six or a seven if it wasn't for the handball. So it's sort of understandable. But I feel that he got a lot of the blame for the terrible output that we had. And, you know, a friend of mine told me that he, he put a bet on that Brighton were going to win by three clear goals. And he was super confident. It was only seven to one for that as well, which sort of shows how short that was. Brighton were evens to win United were 12 to 5 it, it's like United were going down there as the outsiders you know which is incredible really when you look at the t the names so but yeah just just moving on from there so is there any injury concerns that Ten Hag brought up that, that you saw in the presser and we know he's what he sort of said there but any anything that since the press has happened that we're recording this at nearly five o'clock on a uh, Friday afternoon the team will have done training is there any any news you've seen not particularly, just Garnacho really. Um, he might be back, he might not, is basically all we know. Uh, everybody else that has been out or will be out will continue to be out. No no return for Donny van der Beek. Looks like no return for Martinez or Varane. So it's just Garnacho really. He might be in the squad, he might not. And I probably wouldn't rush him back if I was Eric Tenag. Um, I don't think there's any need to rush him back when Sancho's actually been okay on that left flank, which is Garnacho's favoured position, and Anthony's played his best football of the season. So I think no, there's no, there shouldn't be any massive changes really. Um, and like you said, there Luke Shaw was actually very good on the night. It just he ruined it with that handball towards the end, and I don't really know why his hand was up there. I guess it's understandable. You know, he's got to get a bit of momentum and get up for a header at the very least. And at that point, 96 minutes into the game or whatever it was, you're doing everything you can to keep Brighton out. So it's understandable, but it, I gave him a five last night, like you said, in my player ratings. And in the, throughout the game, until about the 95th minute, I'd have given him a seven probably. But he just threw it all away at the end and... That's what the game will be remembered for. It won't be remembered for a good, solid centre-back performance 
from Luke Shaw yet again. It's a shame, isn't it? And and Luke Shaw has really... I, I said it in the, the video that I did on Luke Shaw earlier today. I said the left-back turned centre-back because there's every chance that Luke Shaw could become United's third or fourth choice... Well, probably fourth choice centre-back, realistically. You know, Martinez Varane, Lindelof, Shaw... Again, not something you would have you would have heard me say at the beginning of the season. Luke Shaw was on the on the downward spiral for me. Molassi was brought in, and it sort of looked in those first few games of the season that he was ousting Luke Shaw, and then Luke Shaw came back with a bang, and he's been absolutely sensational for the most part of the season. He has his ups and downs, but so does everybody. You know what? I think he's been really solid, especially after the comments that Mourinho made about him about him doing all the thinking and Shaw, you know, for sure and. Just he just looks like he's really coming into his own now, and I think you know there's every chance that he could be our fourth choice centre half next season, especially with we don't know what's going to happen with Harry Maguire. But um, just just looking ahead, United have got a week now between the next game, and I think it's probably the first time in a long time since I can remember that United have not had a midweek game, you know, to to contend with. United have got a week between West Ham and then the home game with Wolves. Um, to you know, to sort of rest, and the talk was that Alejandro Garnacho was going to return before the end of the season. I do fully expect him to be in the squad for Wolves if he's fit, and it'll be like getting a new player. I think it will be like getting a new player because he is, he is, um, he's one of those young lads who who wants to leave it all on the field. And I think you've got some of the players like Kobe Manu and and Zidane Iqbal who might once United secure that top four, they might get a few minutes in those last few games. You've got Bournemouth, Chelsea, and then Fulham on the last day. You might start to see in the traditional Man United way some of those youngsters getting blood in. You might see Polistri a little bit more. And you you know I, I saw on the Manchester Evening News earlier this week that Donny Van de Beek was was showing signs of recovery, which is a really good sign. We had the news about Dean Henderson getting injured earlier in the week, but he might be out until until the summer, which begs the question as to what happens with David De Gea and sort of answers it in a way that he's not going anywhere. As Kasper Schmeichel said, it costs £60 million to replace him. You know, there's just there's so many talking points with Manchester United at the moment, even more so with the, the takeover talk that's sort of happening as well at the minute. You know, the season's winding down, but the Manchester United news just never, ever stops. But Sam... To wrap things up here, I want I want you starting eleven. Who who are you starting against West Ham? Look at where they are in the league. Look at their form. They've just been hammered by City. David Moyes. They've got um, a Europa League semi final. I think midweek to uh, sorry Europa Conference League semi final to look at midweek. You know, are they going to put a weakened team out? Can they put a weakened team out? Do they have a weak team to put out? I don't know. Where do West Ham go and who do United put out against them? The thing about West Ham is they've had an awful season domestically, but. In Europe, getting into a Europa, Europa Conference League final for a team like West Ham is huge. And, I mean, David Moyes has come under a lot of criticism this year. Eric Ten Hag actually was very positive about David Moyes and the job he did and how he didn't envy the job he did, at the very least, at Manchester United when he was hand-picked to replace Alex Ferguson. So, for Man United, it's not, it's not a straightforward game against West Ham, you just don't know what to expect. Some games they'll come out and they look decent, and some games, like you say, they got battered by City. Not that that's a particularly bad thing. We've seen great teams be battered by City throughout the season. So, But I do think, starting 11-wise, it's going to have to be De Gea and Net. I think I'd start Aaron Wambasaka again. He was quite comfortable at right-back against Matoma. I thought he actually dealt with him quite well. 
Um, and I don't actually remember him getting dribbled past. He might have at some point, but I don't remember him getting dribbled past by Matoma. Um, and Matoma, obviously, Brighton's danger man down that left flank. Uh, and then I'd go, it'll have to be Lindelof and Shaw in centre-half. I don't think Maguire has done nearly enough in his Manchester United career to show that he can replace either of them in that partnership. I'd start Dallow at left-back. I'm not sure Molassi is ready to make that step up. He could start. It's it's 50-50 whether Dallow or Molassi will start. And then in midfield, Casemiro, who I thought was quite lucky to not be sent off against Brighton. He just seemed angry throughout the entire game. I think I'd start him in defensive midfield next to probably Eriksen for a bit more of control because I don't think Fred was great last night. Last night as we're recording this against Brighton. And then Fernandez, Anthony. I'd probably start Rashford up front. Martial doesn't really offer anything. Um, I think his Manchester United career is dwindling to a close. And end of the season, it's probably time to part ways. And then I'd probably start Sancho on the left. I do think if you're not going to start Rashford out there, I think you've really got to look at mixing it up a bit. And I'd start Sancho out there. And that means sort of Martial on your bench, which is where he actually plays his best football in the last 20 minutes. Um, coming in, that sounds that sounds a bit worse than it is. I mean, coming in off the bench, he plays his best football. And I mean, in pre-season, he was actually very good in a front three with Rashford, Sancho and Martial. And then he's just not shown any of it in any competitive games this season. So it'd have to be Sancho on the left for me, just to sort of make up for the fact that Manchester United still don't have a striker who can score. Um, but yeah, it's West Ham-wise, just they're not great. And realistically, it should be a walk in the park. But it won't be. It's an away game. As and a game that Manchester United really, it, it would be so beneficial if they went and got three points at the London Stadium and just sort of picked it up, put a bit of pressure on Liverpool that Liverpool have to keep winning. And I mean, I think Liverpool can get what is it now? Eight points. Klopp said eight points. I think Man United. You know, it's going to be very difficult for them to drop out of the top four now but that's really where the aim's got to be for the rest of the season and then the FA Cup final obviously but that's way off in the future comparatively so I think it's going to have to be full strength versus full strength and West Ham do have players that can hurt you but yeah I don't know what you think about this game have you got any bold predictions you want to give no I um, I, I agree with what you were saying there and I, and I agree with you starting eleven. Um, so good. Oh, there's not many changes, if any. I'd I'd make, and, and I wouldn't make any sort of obvious changes for, you know, just just for being devil's advocate, really. But um, no, just a bit of news to to wrap up and finish off. United uh, expecting Raphael Varane to return for Wolves game next week with the hope it's an exclusive you'll find on the Manchester News from our chief writer Samuel Luckhurst. Another exclusive from Samuel Luckhurst is United have made a final decision to bin off Valt Vegas. Shock horror. Val Vegas, who said that he wanted to stay at United, of course he does. You know, I want to stay at Man United if I go there um, at the end of the season. But no, he's contracted to Burnley until twenty twenty five. 
and he will be returning there in the summer. United have decided that two goals in uh, 26 appearances is not good enough. Uh, Anthony Martial, by the way, for anybody listening wondering, has scored seven goals in 24 appearances this season. So he's not not that far ahead for, for a guy that's been at United for coming up, you know, nearly getting on for uh, best part of 10 years, isn't it? Eight years it is this year. So that's that's getting on for 10 years in my book. Incredible. Incredible that Anthony Martial's been at Manchester United. I will United. have been just doing my GCSEs when Incredible. Anthony Martial signed for Manchester United. Incredible. So. Well, as the sirens go past your house, Sam, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, if you want to listen to the proper, full-blooded Manchester Red podcast with all the usual suspects, check it out. It will be the episode prior to this one because this one will be going out at 10 o'clock this evening as we're recording. It's just ticked over 5 p.m., We're both finished for the day, Sam, so let's get this wrapped up. Let's hope Manchester United go down to London and stuff West Ham. And we will return in, well, we'll return after the United game. And then we will have a proper Manchester's Red podcast next week after the King's been coronated into Buckingham Palace. I don't know. Westminster, I don't even know. I don't know what you get coronated into. No, the King's Mm -hmm. been coronated. God. You can show him show him my lack of lack of understanding of the British monarchy right there. <laughs> That's all for us anyway. Well, yes. Give us a subscribe on YouTube. We've just hit two thousand subs, which is fantastic for a channel that's only been gone for about four months. We're in, we're now on TikTok, Man United MEN. We've got a couple of bits of content going out there. We will ramp up that content as the season begins next time in September, and hopefully we will be back with Manchester United victorious in London and one step closer to securing that Champions League spot for next season. Thanks for joining me, Sam, and we will see you very soon.